Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good, good, good. A lot of smiles. I can see so many people today and I think there's a lot of people here today here to celebrate Hannah um, for, the, for the baptism. So it's good to see everyone today. So my name is Daniel and I'm married to uh, my lovely wife, uh, Sade. Uh, you've probably seen her around somewhere, up and down, doing something. And um, so together, uh, we lead the online city centre small group. And it's a joy to be here today and also a pleasure to carry on on this series of uh, Reckless Love um, in the book of Hosea. So um, let's just take a time to, to pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity for life. Thank you, Lord, for another chance that we have to be breathing today, to walk into this place today. We are not taking this for granted and we know that you're here with us. You're here for us. And we just pray that whatever you have for us today, Lord, we receive. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So today uh, we're focusing on Hosea chapter 11 uh, from verses 1 to 12 and Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. Uh, last week, um, there was some talks on Isaiah chapter 11 last week, which was a good you know, segue into what I'll be talking about today. So the title is called The God of Resurrection and Second Chances. The God of Resurrection and Second Chances. So we would focus on three main points. The first one is the love of the Father. The second one is God's plan to restore. And the last one is God's second chances and resurrection. But before I sort of get started, it's worth mentioning that a couple of weeks back when uh, Paul uh, preached, um, he mentioned that Uzziah contained metaphors, and one of which we're looking at today. So Israel is depicted as an unfaithful wife and a rebellious child. Now, some of us might be thinking, so why does God use his metaphors in the Bible? The first, for clarity and for understanding. So the complex nature of the relationship between God and his people needs to be portrayed in a way that we can understand and a way that we can relate to. Secondly, for imagery and vividness. God loves us so much that he wants to engage our imagination. He wants to leave a lasting impression on our minds. So with this in mind, Hosea was called to be a prophet and to speak during the time of uh, Israel's worst king, King Jeroboam. At this time, things were descending into chaos Things were going wrong and there were threats of war. Now, Israel was under a threat of war at this time, but instead of turning to God, they turned to other gods. Does that sound familiar? Can you think of a time in your life that instead of turning to God, you've turned to something else? You've reached out to some, somebody else? At this time, let's see how God responded to Israel running away from him. The first thing is that God sent Hosea to portray what his fractured relationship with the children of Israel looked like. What did he do? He sent Hosea to marry a prostitute called Goma. We've covered this in the first couple of weeks. And he obviously paid the bride price. Now, I don't know what the bride price looked like back in those days, but in Nigeria, um, a bride price is called dowry. 
And um, I'm not sure whether that picture is bright enough, but that's what that looks like. So this gets given to the, uh, to the parents or the family of the pr prospective bride. So you can see there's a lot of things going on. There's yam, there's something called palm oil, there's some dry fish, there's, you know, people come dressed in some lots of colorful sort of, you know, outfits. So it's, it's a very great celebration. It's a very great time. So all of these things happened. And soon after, things began to fall apart. Goma betrayed Hosea's trust and love. But even after all of this, God instructed Hosea, go and get your wife back. Even after all of this betrayal. Now, let's focus now on Hosea chapter 11, which is our main focus for today. The first thing that we encounter is the love of the Father. And the first thing that comes through straight away from Hosea chapter 11 verse 1, Hosea 11 1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Today, we are equally sons and daughters of God. In John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, Yet to all did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In a different translation, it says, the power to become the children of God. I remember while growing up, um, my, my parents, they have a very high expectation of me, even till now, which meant there were places that I'm allowed to go and things that I'm not allowed to do. But even with the best wish in the world, myself and my brothers, we still find a way to disobey those rules. We still go around and, you know, sneak and try to get things done our own way. And, and you know, what am I trying to say here? God has plan and expectation for his children. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. But like every other child, Israel ran away from God and did the opposite thing. I mean, most parents here would, you know, recognize something like this. They did the opposite thing. You called them, and they run away, the opposite direction. It's kind of weird. I, I was kind of pondering through this over the week about what's really going on. You know, come here. It means come here, not go that way. But yeah, but it seems that's what really happens, isn't it? So the question is, why do we run away from God and disobey his commands, even though we know that God is a loving father and is here for us? Why do we do this? Three things come to mind. First is misplaced trust. We often obey and believe in the things that we trust or listen to the people that we trust. And oftentimes when we're not trusting in God, we're trusting something else at that time. And that could be anything. It could be money. It could be your friends. It could be your contacts. It could be your connections. It could be, it could be anything. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, from verse 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and it will make your paths straight. The second thing is misguided truth. We live in a world today where God's truth is no longer exclusive. The world has a version of truths, philosophies, and different things that they're trying to make the truth. That's the world we live in today. But the book of John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the last point is over familiarity. We know what that is. 
Overfamiliarity breeds content. Sometimes we get too familiar. And I've been, we've been in situations before where we knowingly sin, knowing that, oh, what I'm trying to do now is kind of wrong, but we're still going to anyway. And take for granted the loving Father, the love of the Father, the forgiving nature of God. We can all relate to this. I've been there. But what's God saying? Romans chapter 6 from verses 1 to 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that the grace of God may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And that's the question we should ask ourselves. How can we continue to live in sin? Now, as we go through Hosea chapter 11, the second thing that we encounter, it's God's plan to restore. Isn't that amazing that God always has a plan? It's, it's, you know, nothing just catching by surprise. He always has a plan. So in this case, he has a plan to restore the people of Israel. Israel's sin was described, described in Hosea chapter 11 verse 12, and there's a lot more in Hosea chapter 7. So Hosea 11 12 says, Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, Israel with deceit, and Judah is unruly against God and even against the faithful one. The action of Israel at this particular moment touched the heart of God in so much more that God admits the feeling of internal turmoil. He actually touched the heart of God. It was so painful. We can see that in verse 8 of Hosea chapter 11. The Bible says, my heart recoils. In a different translation, it says, churns within me. And my compassion grows warm. So this is what the effect of the sin of the Israelites was doing to, to God. So let's just go through that, uh, that scripture. Hosea chapter 11 from verses 8 to 9. How can I go? How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man. The only one in your midst, I will not come in my wrath. Now, when I read this last few lines, the part that says, for I am God and not a man, I, I, there was a sort of joy that came in my heart. I thank God for being God and not man. Because I know in all these sort of situations, I know what men are capable of. But thank God that we've got God that is always merciful, always faithful, always forgiven. Hallelujah. Now, these verses that we've looked at sort of highlight the conflict between God's divine anger and divine compassion. At this moment, he was thinking, what do I do? Now, God's divine anger is God's passion and that desire to see things become right in this world. And his divine compassion is that passion and desire to see his children come back to repentance and come back to him. The compassion of God always wins. Always wins. He is committed to restoring us back to himself. And at the same time, when he's doing this, he does not condone sin. So to conclude, three things. The first thing is that we have all sinned. We have all strayed. We can see this in what happened in Hosea's wife and ancient Israel. We have all strayed. We have all sinned. Secondly, 
is someone pays the price, and that, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Jesus paid the price. Same thing Hosea did. He paid the price to get his wife back. And how did he do that? Through his blood. Through his blood. So if we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, from verse 18 to 19, the Bible says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the, by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So the third and the last thing that we encounter as we go through Hosea chapter 11 is God's second chances and resurrection. Now, I'm going to tell you a very short story. Um, so, how many people here have had a house plant died on them before, for whatever reason? Okay, there's so many hands, so many hands. You know, imagine you go to Ikea, you pick it up, nice looking green and fresh. You bring it home, and all of a sudden, it just went downhill, and like, oh, what, what just happened? You know, something that is meant to leave, you know, yeah. You know, a high expectation for this plant. But anyway, so we got given um, a plant, uh, a rose bush, um, to be precise, uh, by someone from church, actually, um, at the time. And I think the person must probably know themselves, but yeah. And so the, this rose bush was left in the pot, and obviously we know life. Life gets really busy. You plan to water the plant today, or you just forget it. I'm too tired tomorrow. But it never happened. So what happened is, after a couple of weeks, the plant, thank you very much, the, 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 <laughs> the, the plant died. It became really dry, really crispy dry, that if you touch, it just falls off. I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know what I've done here, but this is really sad. So I felt really sad at the sight of looking at that plant, not just because it's all dried and looking all haggy, you know, that sort of thing, but because someone actually paid for this plant and gifted it to us. So I thought, okay, well, let's leave it there. Life started happening again. And this beautiful Saturday morning, I was like, oh, yes, time to do some gardening. Well, by the way, I, I'm the designated gardener uh, for my house. My wife, she's just there looking pretty, you know. Um, so she, she, she's like, okay, well, you know what, you know, just go for it. So I woke up this Saturday morning. It's sunny. It's bright. Let's do some work, you know, when you do all of that stuff. And I was about to throw this plant into the bin. That like, okay, just forget it. And something spoke to me. At this moment, something said, why not just take it out, plant it in the soil, and start watering it? Now, at that time, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Because for me, this plant is on its way out. It's already out, like literally dead. So, but anyway, I just listened to that voice. And I just planted this uh, rose bush. I put it in the soil. I started watering it, started watering it, started watering it. Trust me, nothing happened for the first couple of weeks. And I'm thinking, exactly what am I doing with my life? What is going on here? What's this thing that's spoken to me? You know, um, but anyway, I started watering. And before you know what was happening, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, I started seeing like one leaf at a time started coming out. I was like, oh, okay, something that I called my wife. Oh, look, I took, I took some pictures. I was like, oh, something is happening here. What is going on? You know, where did the life come from? Because this thing was already dry, like proper. And before you know it, there was a rose flower coming out from me, and it was nice and lovely. And I was like, wow, what just happened? What just happened? And you might be asking and saying, okay, what's the point of this story? Where am I going with this story? Isn't it amazing how God uses um, events in our life to speak to us? And I think sometimes we just need to take time to just listen and, and be present and, and, and see because God speaks to us through every moment 
through every, every time in my life, in, in our lives. So three things I felt God was speaking to me about at this moment. One is second chances. It looked like, it seems like at the time, I was going to throw this thing away. But now, there's a second chance for this rose bush. Now, the resurrection that we talk about today would not have happened if God did not give us a second chance. And if we're being honest, some of us are where we are today because someone gave us a second chance. The second thing is keep watering. I was watering. I was watering. God is long-suffering. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We might have a lot of people in our lives, friends, colleagues, that, you know, sometimes you give advice to them, but they end up doing the wrong thing. You tell them, they come to you for advice, you know, you speak to them about changing, but they're still not changing. Or we have people in our lives that we're praying for to come to Christ, and it seems like nothing is happening. It's like the more we pray for them, it's like... It's, it's going, they're going the other way, you know. But I, I just get a sense in which God is saying to us not to give up yet. To keep praying. To keep watering. To keep giving to that space. Not to give up yet. That in soon, 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 you'll begin to see something come out. A green leaf, a change. Something different will begin to happen in their life. And the last thing is God is patient. So be patient. So let's take a pause. I'm going to take a pause here for a moment and just sort of take all of that in. Where are you at today? Where are you at in your Christian walk? Do you feel far away from him? Or do you feel close to him? Do you feel at the moment that you need a second chance. We all do. Perhaps God might be prompting you to extend a second chance to someone else. Or perhaps God might be prompting you to give a second chance to someone in a way that he can do something amazing in their life. I'm going to give you time to think through this because we all have these people in our lives. Or maybe God is just prompting you at the moment to just keep investing in this person's life, keep watering in this person's life. In the same way that this rosebush had a second chance, God gave Israel a second chance. And today, right now, God has given us a second chance. Amen. Now, just to, to wrap things up, because I'm conscious of our time. Um, so we've looked at second chances. Now we're going to look at resurrection. Hebrew 13, verse 14. The Bible says, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where all death are your plagues and where all grave is your destruction. This is also referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 55 to 57. Some of you today might be feeling the sting of death, death at the moment. And that's okay. Losing someone is a very hard thing. It's really, really hard. 
through the resurrection of Jesus, we have hope that death isn't final and that the power of sin has been broken. The word resurrection comes from the Latin word resurrectio, which means bringing something back to life. And this concept is in most religions, but in Christianity, it forms the basis, the central pillar of our faith. Resurrection is not limited to just the physical death, but also relates to the spiritual death caused by sin. So for Christians, three things resurrection brings to us. One, the hope of eternal life. Two, the hope of forgiveness and redemption. Three, the hope of victory over sin and death. So in order to round up everything that we've talked about today, three things I want to take out from, from this last part. One is the reality of sin. Death, as we know it, is an unescapable reality that we face today. Sometimes, a lot of times, it brings sorrow, it brings grief, it brings pain. And also, the current conflict that we have in, between Israel and Gaza has given us a case in point of what happens when people die, sometimes very overwhelming. A lot of times, actually, we have so many questions. We have so many questions, what's going on, what's happening, God? Sense of hopelessness. But we need to be reminded that our God is a God of hope, is a God that has given us promise that transcends death. Secondly, God promises us deliverance. Amen. God promises us deliverance. You can see emphatically in that Hosea chapter 13, verse 14, where it says, I will deliver my people from the power of grave, of grave and redeem them from death. And lastly, the defeat of death. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has given us the assurance that now we are more than conqueror. We've conquered death and sin. Now to close. Physical death is given to all mankind in which we cannot escape. The day and the time is unknown to anyone. Spiritual death is inevitable to us all because we've all done wrong in our lives. However, today God is offering us all a second chance. God has given us a second chance to forgiveness, to redemption, to hope. So today, as we've encountered all of these things that we've talked about, it's your turn. It's your turn. Would you accept his invitation of forgiveness? Because I understand that some people might be here today that have not really encountered God. Would you run to him today? to salvation, and would you step into the hope? So I'm going to say a word of prayer today. So if, if this is you today, if you're here today, you don't need to stand up or anything. I just want you to be in this moment. If you're here today and you think, you know what, God? I need to run back to you. I need to step into the hope that you've made available to us. I'm just going to say a word of prayer, if that's okay. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for this moment. Thank you for the hope that you've given unto us. Thank you even for the life that you've given us unto us by dying on the cross. Today we accept the gift that is freely given unto us, which is hope, which is love, 
which is salvation, Jesus. And for some of us, that today is our first day of coming to you. Today, we want to invite you into our heart, Lord Jesus. And also, for those people that are already on the journey and you realize that, okay, there's a bit of a struggle, you find it hard to trust in God and to live by him. I will also pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to pray that, Lord, for all of us here today that are following you and struggling and finding it hard to create time for you, I just want to pray that your presence, O Lord, we continue to be evident in our lives, O Lord, that, Lord, you would, you would come and speak to us. You would come and, you know, reveal yourself to us, even through the things that are happening in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.